And, you know, when other kids were collecting baseball cards or hockey cards, I was collecting those little, little CBM prayer cards that you see on church bulletin boards. Clearly, I was a really cool kid. Um, I was very aware of CBM's work, but I hadn't really experienced it uh, until I was in seminary. And so CBM um, really shaped a lot of my theology, specifically uh, the theology of integral mission, and also my appreciation for liberation theology. Uh, and it was also instrumental in helping me discern my call to ministry. And so I'm so grateful for the invitation to share with you today a little bit about what we've been doing at CBM lately. And of course, I would love for us to be together. I would love to get to know all of you and to hear your stories in person. But of course, this is one of the changes that we've adapted to during this season of COVID-19. And I find myself using this word season quite a bit to describe uh, this reality that we're in. I think a little bit unconsciously because I really just want this to be just a season. And I'm ready for this season to be all done now. But we know that we're not all done. I hope that's not news to you. Sorry if it is. Um, but I hope that you've moved through this denial stage that perhaps we all were in for a while. Uh, we know that this pandemic is filled with loss. And so we're grieving, if we're honest. Um, and we're in this for a while yet, aren't we? And so as we endure in this season, I want to share with you a line that I say to myself uh, when I feel stressed or overwhelmed. This is a line that for me has been helpful and bear with me as I explain it to you. It goes like this. I say to myself, well, the last time that I, and fill in the blank, during a global pandemic, I fill in the blank. And so let me give you an example. I would have said, well, Louise, the last time that you homeschooled your seven-year-old in French immersion, a language you don't speak, with no notice, during a global pandemic, you, and I quickly realized that I cannot finish the sentence, and usually and hopefully I can laugh at myself. Or sometimes I use the line when I hear someone criticizing themselves for a decision that they've made that they wish had gone differently. So I might say to them, well, I do recall the last time that you made that exact same decision during a global pandemic, you, and hopefully it cuts a little bit of the tension. It's been a way for me, this silly phrase, uh, it's been a way for me of extending grace during what I wish was just a season. Acknowledging that we have not been here before. We have not lived this before. We do not have prior experience to draw on. We have not closed and reopened churches before. We have not conducted funerals and weddings during a pandemic before. We have not counseled and cared for people in this way during a pandemic. And you have not taught online or received instruction online during a pandemic before. We've not been here before. As I look around the screen, a lot of us are young, and I'll use the word youngish, just to include, try and include myself in there anyway. Uh, so because some of us are youngish, um, maybe, and perhaps thankfully, we haven't lived through a lot of crisis. We haven't experienced a lot of suffering or loss. And so perhaps we don't even know how we respond in times like this. We don't know how our families respond. We don't know how our communities react. And we certainly don't know how our churches respond. 
We don't know if we're one of those people who's prone to under-functioning or like myself, over-functioning. We don't know if we become keenly engaged or if our brains become a little bit foggy. We don't know if we're gonna be less emotional or more emotional. It is just new territory for so many of us. And we need to be gracious with ourselves and with others as we learn together in this time. And in this season, I am constantly reminded that we do have such an opportunity to learn. And I love to learn. Uh, specifically, I love to consult experts when I'm trying to learn something new. I do not enjoy a sort of trial and error approach. I don't like guessing. I don't like, you know, let's just wait and see what happens. Instead, I prefer to search out the very best way that I can to figure out how to do something, the best answer to solve a problem, and I want to do the thing that works the majority of the time. I want to do that first. But we are not in one of those situations, are we? I cannot look to my past or anyone's past and say, how did you handle X, Y, or Z the last time that you were in the middle of a global pandemic? And while it's true that none of us have experienced this before, I have had the honor of working with people who have a lot more experience in crisis than I do. And in particular, as I've worked in ministry, like so many of you do, I've learned that this is so valuable. I've learned that the local church around the world, in places like Bolivia, Thailand, Congo, Dominican Republic, have far more experience faithfully living out the gospel in crisis than perhaps we do here in Canada. And I wanna suggest this morning that, that that's a good place to look for direction, for help, for encouragement, for wisdom during this season, particularly in places where there has already been times of crisis for the local church. Jesus in Matthew's gospel encourages us with these words, in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The church has not just survived. In fact, it's often thrived and been a bright light through darkness, through times of war, famine, earthquake, tsunami, political unrest, drought, flood, violence, oppression, persecution, and the list goes on. And today I want to encourage you by sharing four stories from those places. If we're honest, some of us anyway, uh, we don't often think to look to the church in the global south for help. Instead, we are so used to offering help. And perhaps we do have more material resources. But perhaps they have wisdom and experience and knowledge that we don't. I have a photo I want to share with you, if, if John could put that up. We might see a photo of a church like this one in India. We might hear of this severe flooding and think in terms of resources. And that's not a bad thing, certainly. 
But I wonder how often we might see this picture and go on to ask, what can I, what can we learn from them? And so let's start here. I want to give you a brief snapshot, and I promise you this is, this is only brief. Uh, it, was, it was so hard to choose which stories and with which countries to share with you today. But I want to give you a brief snapshot of the work that we've been involved in through our partners with the local church through CBN. And then I want to tell you how it's come about so that we might learn from them. And you'll see a few photos as I talk through these. So let's start here in, in India. In India, the church responded with flood relief that was given to 116 vulnerable households in their community. They provided food for about a month during a time when no one was able to work because of the lockdown. In Wuhan, China, pastors formed a food delivery team that gave immediate assistance to over 180 families. In Latin America, the church is currently helping small businesses restart. They're helping farmers with seed and fertilizer to plant fields so that people can begin caring for their families again. And in Lebanon, crisis on top of crisis. The church has responded through food assistance, continued support for Syrian refugees, as well as housing at the ABTS seminary for those homeless after the Beirut explosion. And these are not small endeavors, and that's just a fraction of the work that's being done globally. CBM has raised over half a million dollars in COVID relief funds, where we've worked in 14 countries with 22 partnerships. But I don't want to just share facts and figures with you. I want to spend a few moments sharing about how this work has come about, how and why the church has responded in these ways. So let me tell you a little bit more. Let me invite you to learn from the church in these four places. So in India, our partner is Al Alampang Baptist Church in Nagaland, and they do outreach with a vulnerable group of people called the Missing Tribe in the neighboring area of Assam. After this church used their own resources and then the resources of the Baptist Association, they called on CBN for assistance. And this is um, a blurb, an excerpt from uh, the request that we received from them. They wrote this, due to COVID-19, the entire country is in lockdown for more than a month and extended until the 3rd of May without a guarantee that the lockdown will be lifted. The Missing Baptist Association in Assam are depending on their daily wages for their livelihood. All of them are living below the poverty line and due to the lockdown, there is no work, no wages, and they are struggling to feed and manage their families. Following that request, there was a plan of how food aid would be distributed through local pastors who know their people and are taking responsibility for them. This is one of our partners that CBM helped after some severe flooding last year. That previous photo you, you saw is of Alampang Baptist Church. And they know crisis and disruption. And we are learning from them. They have planted six churches and have had over 120 baptisms in the past year and a half. During COVID, they have provided food aid for 116 households as they have shared the love of Christ in word, in deed, 
A city on a hill cannot be hidden, even in a flood or a pandemic. Let me tell you about our very first COVID relief response, which was in Wuhan, China. Early in 2020, the whole city was shut down and no one was allowed to leave their homes. And a group of pastors gathered together and they started fasting and praying specifically for a miracle because they knew that their people had the potential to starve. After some time praying and fasting, one of the pastors got a call from an official who said that his car had broken down and he was requesting that the pastor come and pick him up because he knew that the pastor had access to their church van. And as a result, the pastor and the church van got a permit to go out during the lockdown. A miracle indeed. After picking up the official and taking him to the place where he needed to be, he filled the van with produce, hitting every local farm stand along the way. And he began distributing the food to the most needy in his church. I like to imagine just how fast he might have been driving. And he helped other pastors get permits as well. And they were able to actually form a food delivery team to stop the most vulnerable from starving. A person who received produce from this pastor said, in such moments, only Christianity shows real love. Also, a manager of a residential property nearby who also received food had asked to attend church with them, and he came to faith after the outbreak. And in fact, we've heard that 43 people have come to faith. A local newspaper in Wuhan reported on the response of these pastors, saying, during this citywide quarantine, when people are under strict isolation rules, Christians showed that though the virus is isolating us, their love is not isolated. Let your light shine before others that they may glorify your Father in heaven. Thirdly, in Latin America, many of these countries rely so heavily on the tourism industry. And so the closed borders mean that this health crisis has quickly turned to an economic and food crisis, resulting in breaks in the food supply chain as those working in tourism suddenly have no income at all. In Guatemala and El Salvador, the church has been involved helping small businesses get back up and running again. The economy there is beginning to open despite COVID still being present and the church is helping small businesses like uh, fruit and vegetable carts to restock their supplies because their capital is gone. It's certainly been eaten by the families who own these carts. And the church is helping people to begin to live and to care for their families again. They're also helping farmers to buy seed and fertilizer so they can begin growing and selling food again. The church is meeting real needs here. These are not quick band-aid solutions. These are supports that will allow families to continue on caring for themselves as they work and produce and have dignity as they do so. The church is also working, and I find this so interesting, the church is also working closely with local authorities in these Latin American countries. And this is not a situation where leaders in the community and leaders in the church have come together in partnership like we might imagine easily happen in Canada. This is the church working with corrupt and unjust systems and structures. 
If you want to talk about the darkness, these are dark places where oppression and corruption has ruled for decades. These are messy and frustrating structures to engage with. And the church has actually come alongside and the light has walked with the darkness, illuminating it. And last but not least, in Lebanon, we can't talk about living faithfully during times of crisis without talking about Lebanon. Ali Haddad, who is CBM field staff and president of the Arab Baptist Theological Seminary, ABTS, who I might note uh, wanted me to pass on greetings to you, Stuart, Melody, and Anna. He shared with me that he has been excited about the transformation of the local church in Lebanon. Lebanon is in crisis, and Ali says that the pandemic is not the biggest crisis right now. He actually said it's not even in the top three. Ali said that during the Civil War in the 70s and 80s, the church's response, he observed, was to hide. But in the last 10 years especially, since the refugee crisis, the economic crisis, the uprising, the pandemic, and most recently, the explosion in Beirut, the church has been transformed. At the seminary, Elise said that they were so pleased when the airports reopened in August because a number of the seminary students who were living on campus could finally go home. He said the residence is in terrible condition and so they were happy to close it up for a while and figure out what to do. On August 3rd, they closed the residence. August 4th was the Beirut explosion. On August 5th, they began painting the residence and preparing for families to move in as soon as possible. They didn't have the resources to do this work, but their partners, including CBM, were able to help. Ali laughed as he told me that they didn't need to call a meeting, he said. He said, we didn't even pray or ask for direction. He said, we just knew what to do. We are in crisis and we have been in crisis before and we know what to do. So ABTS has been caring for families and providing food and shelter and churches have been in the streets cleaning up from the explosion. They've been renovating homes in order to repair doors and windows very quickly before winter arrives. People are losing everything, including hope and the gospel makes sense now. The pandemic has forced the church to get out of the building and to move to the streets where there is real suffering and brokenness. Elise says that there is redemption in the brokenness, that there is light in the darkness. I'm encouraged and I hope that you're encouraged too and inspired even by what the local church is doing around the world. In India, in China, in Guatemala, in Bolivia, El Salvador, and in Lebanon, all places that know suffering and have experienced crisis in the form of natural disasters like flooding, war, political corruption, and certainly poverty. The church in these places has experienced hard things before. All of the emotions that we're experiencing, it's felt before. All of the questions that we're asking, they've got some answers to and they've learned some significant things. 
I'm struck by how quickly they've been able to mobilize in very focused and strategic ways even. They don't even need to call a meeting. They don't need to brainstorm what types of needs exist. They are already in their communities and they already know the answers. And the church will stay and will suffer together and will be the light in the darkness until the next crisis and the next crisis and the next. Our partners shared with me that one of our churches in Guatemala had been caring for an elderly woman who had no way of getting food during the pandemic. She'd been eating avocados from her tree in her yard for a week. That was the only food source that she had available. And then the church found her and began caring for her. And I'm reminded that it's the poor and the vulnerable who get pushed to the margins into these dark corners of our communities who would never be found. No government social assistance program would have ever found this woman. What would have happened to her if it wasn't for the church? If it wasn't for the church shining a light and living faithfully in these dark places? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I hope that you and I don't ever have to say, the last time we were in a global pandemic, we, because I hope this never happens again in our time, in any time. But I do hope that we can say, we have learned from Alampang Baptist's experience with flooding and True Vine Baptist's experience with the Syrian refugee crisis in Lebanon, and from the church in Latin America and Asia and Africa, and that those lessons will be rich in helping us bring the light of hope in the darkness. Let me pray for us. Lord God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. Your word gives us guidance and direction and even comfort. Jesus, you are the light of the world. You are the one in whom we trust, the one who gives us life to the fullest. And you call us, your church, to reflect your light, to be the light in the darkness that brings hope and healing to our broken world. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.